0: Thank you, James. Thank you, Dan. So glad that everyone's here, and I pray that you are encouraged by our time together. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's good to go back and ask the question, why? Why are we here? Why have you made the effort to be here today? I know that when I was a parent, my children would ask me this a lot, like, why are we doing this? We've got to get up so early. Why are we here today? Well, we're here because we have found hope in Christ Jesus and that has changed everything. And we come together and we are encouraged by being with each other. We're encouraged by the singing of, of these beautiful hymns. We're encouraged by sharing the bread and the cup in remembrance. We're in, We're encouraged by God's word and we're also encouraged by each other there's a really good chance that sitting not very far from you is someone who has come in today and is carrying a heavy burden and they need encouragement so let's not let's not overlook the need that we have to encourage each other And as we walk out the doors in just a little bit, we know that we live on mission. We live with purpose because we want to let everyone know about the love and the grace of our God. We're in a summer series, and this series is called Out of the Shadows. And in this series, we're trying to enter into the story of Jesus And I'm loving this study. I I don't know if you can tell or not, but I am loving spending all week long just reading and studying and trying to go deeper into the text. And I myself am being tremendously blessed, and I hope that maybe a few crumbs or nuggets that might fall down from the pulpit can bless you as well. But we want to follow Jesus just as the early disciples did. We want to imagine ourselves just being there and listening to Jesus, watching Jesus. You see, we want to watch and see how our rabbi treats other people. We want to listen to his teaching so that our hearts can change and the perspective, our worldview can be changed to match up with his and we want to be able to process what Jesus is doing so that we can match our priorities in life with the priorities of Jesus. And it's so that we can follow in his steps. You know, it's, it's really pretty simple what we're doing. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen God the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we want our community to know about the love of God, the grace that we found in God, then it's really easy for us just to live like Jesus lived, to have the mind of Christ. And we do this as individuals, but we also do this as a spiritual family, as, as the church of Christ, it's imperative that we live out Jesus in our daily lives. The teachings of Jesus, the example of Jesus, that we let our community see that in us. And Jesus calls us to this new community, this community that Jesus calls the kingdom of God, a community that offers a countercultural alternative to our world that's polarized, that's unkind, that's focused on power and control. We live as disciples of Jesus in our world. I recently read these challenging words from author Alan Hirsch. He said, If the church does not look, sound, and act like Jesus, its founder, then it is not the church, but rather something else. Jesus is always the only true measure of its authenticity. So it's important, really important for us as followers of Christ, as a church of gathered believers that follow Christ and wear the name of Christ to really know Jesus. And so I'm excited about our text today. And I hope that you will pull out your Bibles, that you will power up your device, whatever it is, because we're going to just be in the text. It's eight verses. It's in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And if you need a Bible that's there probably in the the, pew in the back of the pew in front of you, you can open up that Bible and it will be on page 742. Before we go into the Word of God today, I want us just to pray. Our dear God, we don't ever want to take it for granted that we can study and read your words. And Father, it's so important that we do it as a, com- as a community of faith. So today I pray that your words can be exactly what each of us need to hear. And I pray that we can have soft hearts and that we can have ears that are in tune with your will so that we can live in a way that shows the world what your love is really like. And we pray this through Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let's get into the text. Verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Well, first off, before we get into the text, I just want to say, isn't it great? Isn't it great that we are told what the purpose of this parable is? that, That we're told right off the bat, this is what this parable means. Because I don't know about you, but I've read many of the parables and I'm thinking, hmm, what am I supposed to get out of this? This particular parable here is one we know very clearly what it's all about. Jesus is going to tell us, tell his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. I like that. Now, if you were to ask me to teach about prayer, persistent prayer, what I would do would be I would find a good story to lead into it, have an introduction, and then I'd have one or two, maybe even three really powerful points, and then I would have a really nice conclusion, and that would be it, and I would hope that you would get the nuggets of wisdom that I could throw your way. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus, like a rabbi in his day, he does what all good rabbis would do. He tells a story. Jesus loves to teach with stories. I found this tweet by author John Tyson, who is ministry up in New York City. He says, Bored people have entertainment. Consumers have preferences. Religious people have rules. Busy people have lists. Missional people have stories. Oh, I connect with that. I love stories. I'm moved by stories. And here Jesus tells a story. It says Jesus told a parable. And a parable is a particular kind of story. A parable... Is a story that draws us into it and we begin to really wrestle with the meaning, what's going on. Scholars have looked over all the words, the teachings of Jesus, and some of them say, and it, and it varies with different scholars, but they estimate that nearly one third or about one third of the parables that are uh, the words of Jesus are actually parables and i think that that's significant we need to take note of that a story in parallel is what we call a parable they have the same root parable and parallel parables are not told to entertain us the purpose of a parable is to drive us to a decision A parable is meant to disrupt the current way of thinking that we have and drive us towards a different picture, a different point of view, in a new and a refreshed way. And so here, Jesus tells them a parable to show them the need for persistent prayer. So we continue. He begins the story. He said, "...in a certain town..." There was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. He's got us already. He starts this story by saying, I want to tell you about a judge, and this is a hard hearted judge. This is a cruel judge. This judge doesn't care about what people think, and even more important than that, he doesn't even fear God. You know, everybody listening to Jesus' story would have already been on edge at this point. You see, they're very familiar with oppressive power. They, as a, as a nation, had been occupied by foreign nations for over 400 years. And so they're, they've experienced this. And this judge is a judge with power, but he has no commitment to biblical Justice or biblical righteousness. He has no fear of God and he doesn't love people. You see, you remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what's the most important command? And Jesus says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And like it, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. The most important thing that Jesus says we need to be aware of is how we love God and how we treat each other. And this judge does neither. He neither feared God nor cared what people thought. This judge is a judge that's totally driven by personal gain. But a good parable also has a parallel character, another character. And so we read on with expectation. Verse 3, And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Well, at this point, the parable takes an an unexpected twist because Jesus brings into the story a widow. Now, for us, we might just overlook that. But for the original audience, this would stand out because bringing a woman, bringing a widow into a teaching narrative was something that rabbis would never do. Scholars point out that it's very difficult to find any teachings, any women in parables of Jewish rabbis during that day some explain that it might be that that the teachers realized the importance of speaking to the head of the household the patriarchal society and so if they could if they could teach the head of the household then the whole household would follow his lead we see that some in the book of acts but i think that there's probably more than that i think that people weren't using Women as subject matter for their teaching, the religious teachers and the rabbi in those days, in that day and time, was because women were considered too lowly to communicate the divine message. And so when Jesus, in this story, brings in this character who is a woman, he stands out against the teachings of other rabbis of that day. And it's easy for us to overlook this when we were just reading this parable. Oh, it's a widow. Okay, move on to the next verse without stopping to pause and realize the magnitude of what Jesus has just done. So when I was studying this, I said I've got to somehow remind myself when I read my scriptures that this is something I need to pause and reflect on. And so what I did is I did the best that I could do to draw a surprise emoji in my Bible. I don't know if you're very good at drawing surprise emojis. Mine looked really more scary than surprise. I would hate to show it to you. But I think that we need this. We need something to make it stand out that what Jesus was doing was radical and it was countercultural. <clears throat> If you go and you do a deeper study, you can find that scholars also they can point to about 27 different parables where Jesus told part of it in the masculine, or one parable in the masculine, and one in the feminine. Sometimes the masculine connection would be first, other times the feminine connection would be first. Jesus. Jesus wanted everyone in the sound of His voice to know that they had a seat at the table. Not just those that society viewed as honorable, but also He wanted those who were anchored in shame, those who were pushed to the shadows, to the side of society, to know that God sees them and that God cares for them. And so Jesus, when He's telling the story, Sometimes he would talk about tasks that men were really familiar with, tasks like tending the vineyard, planting seed, tasks like harvesting crops. But then he would also speak of things that women were very familiar with, like sowing, You know, if I just heard Jesus tell a parable about sewing, I couldn't connect with that. I don't think I've ever sewed anything in my entire life. I'm sorry to say. But I wouldn't connect with that. But Jesus talks about sowing. Jesus talks about sweeping the floor. Occasionally I do sweep the floor. But I can tell you, I don't see that the floor needs sweeped near as often as Sarah does parables that include making bread, the daily task of putting yeast into dough and making the bread. Jesus connected with women intentionally because he wanted them to understand that they had a place in the kingdom of God, that God sees them and that God cares for them. So when Jesus includes this woman as an example to teach us about prayer, it's important that we place this in the context of its day and we realize how unusual, how radical, and how upending His teaching was. But there's something else we need to notice about this. This is not just a woman, but it's also a widow. This widow kept coming to the judge for justice. She needed help in dealing with her adversaries. So she had someone, someone who was trying to take advantage of her, and she needed help, and she, she cried out to the judge. Now, to the original listeners, this would say so much because in the time... "...of Jesus, women were not considered reliable enough to be witnesses in legal proceedings." They couldn't give testimony in court. And it's so easy. You don't have to to go to a, a great deal of effort to go and to search manuscripts from that day to find this. You can find it in many different sources that a woman was not ever allowed to give testimony into a court proceeding at all. And so here's what the original audience picked up. If she is having to go to the judge herself, what does that mean? The audience knows that there is no man in her life. No one to stand up for her. No one to plead her case. She is all alone. Not only had her husband died, but she has no father. She has no brother. She has no son She has no grandson. She has no uncle, no nephews. She has no loving community in her world that are willing to stand up for her, that are willing to go to court and plead her case. She's having to do it on her own, even though this adversary was taking advantage of her helpless condition. And so she would go to this judge She would plead her case. But the sad thing, the thing that jumps off the page to us about this is that she has to depend on a judge. Not a good judge. Not a judge that understands mercy and righteousness, but a judge who is heartless. And this is a story about a prayer for justice. This widow has no chance And the audience knows it. They personally know what abusive power is. But it's at this point when we're reading, when Jesus is telling the story, it's at this point that the story takes even a further twist. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, For some time he, the judge, refused, but... Finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I intentionally paused right there the fact that you didn't just burst out in laughter at that particular part of the parable shows me that you really didn't get this parable like the original audience did. You see, the original audience, I'm pretty confident at this point when Jesus said that this widow has got this judge so confused and so concerned that he can't go anywhere because she's going to go out and attack him, I'm confident that the crowd would erupt in laughter at that point because it was so ridiculous. It was so unheard of. It was hilarious. But then as the laughter began to die down, I think the meaning, the depth of this peril began to sink in. You see, this widow is getting what she needed, not from power, not from manipulation, not from control. She was getting what she was pleading for because of her persistent request. You see, she was seeking justice, and she wouldn't leave this hard-hearted judge alone. And then we get to verse 6, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust says. Now, when I read this in English, I was thinking, okay, well, what does the judge say? The problem is that the judge doesn't speak after this. And so Jesus is actually referring to what the judge just said. He says, you better take note. You better listen and understand what this judge says because that's the key to this parable. The parables are given to teach us about the kingdom of God. Therefore, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, according to Jesus, then the prayer of one widow has the power to upend a judge. The prayer of one widow has the power to upend a heartless judge. You see, Jesus wants us to commit to persistent prayer. And Jesus says, take note of this. Get this. Let this sink in. You need to not give up in your prayer. You need to be consistent in your prayer. You need to keep going to God over and over and over and over. Now, Jesus could have used many examples in the Scripture about Heartfelt, persistent prayer. He could have gone back to Abraham. He could have gone to Elijah. He could have gone to Nehemiah. He could have gone to Moses. He could have gone to Jacob. He could have gone to Hannah. But Jesus, here, I'm taking note of this as I'm studying. Jesus chooses a nameless, powerless woman, a widow. And she is the hero, the heroine of this story. the story goes on. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus wants us to know about hard prayer. Prayer that never quits. Our prayer that never quits is rooted, deeply rooted, in the character of God. Our God's not like this heartless judge. Our God is not a God who doesn't care about what's going on around him. Our God is a God who is of mercy. Our God is a God of justice. That is what God is concerned with. And so when we pray, we pray. We dig roots into the character and nature of our God. This is a how much more part of our parable. How much more should we be going to our Father than even this widow who was pleading her case. Oh, I love that. So, what would be the impact, I ask, of the collective prayers of a family of faith like ours? You see, if the prayer of one widow has the power to upend a judge, what about if all of us as a church family unite together and we, in unity, we agree in purpose, in mission, we unite together in prayer to our Father who is a God of justice and a God of mercy, what impact can we make? Many of you came here today with burdens. Many of you came here today carrying just a heavy, heavy weight, and I think the message of this parable for you is that God hears your prayers, God sees you. If God sees this widow, this woman who had no one to plead her case in Jesus' story, then I think Jesus wants to know, wants all of us to know that God sees you and God hears your prayer. That God will see that justice comes. That our God is a God who lifts up, who even lifts up those who are anchored in shame. And God wants to bring true biblical justice and true biblical righteousness to this world. Parables are told they're designed to move us. And so Jesus wraps up this teaching with a very difficult and challenging question. It's one that's designed to inspire personal reflection and even greater devotion. And so we go down to the very end of the parable, the second part of verse 8, and Jesus looks at his audience in the eyes. He looks at them and he says, However, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? And then it went quiet. Jesus wanted all of them to wrestle with this question. When the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith on the earth? I think he wants us to wrestle with it as well. When the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith in our church family? When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in your heart? Who do you go to in times of desperation? What do you depend on? When you see how messed up our world is, what is your reaction to that? Is it to, is it to point out the, the judgment? Is it to let everybody else know what you believe about it or is it to get down on your knees and pray pray that God will change our hearts so that's how the parable ends I don't know whether Jesus just stopped talking there and walked off I don't know if he had a question answer session I don't know if we had a group discussion you know But that's where the parable ends, and Jesus wants us to walk out wrestling with that. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when He comes? According to Jesus, the prayers of one widow can upend a judge, a heartless judge. What might Jesus do with the collective prayers of the a and Church of Christ? I don't know. But I'd like to find out. I don't know, but I would love it if we would really take this seriously, that we would see this parable not as just words on a page, but that we would just let it come into our heart and that we would wrestle with it. And that we would become a spiritual family that cries out to God on a daily daily basis over and over and over and over for justice, for righteousness to reign through the kingdom of God in this world. So as we close today, I think that it's only appropriate for us to have a prayer to pray together. And it may be that you want to continue this prayer. We're going to have part of our prayer team and shepherds in the Welcome Center. I'll be up here at the front for a while and then I'm going to go to the Welcome Center. I would love to continue this discussion with you. There may be some of you that realize that you have been putting off uh, being baptized in the name of Jesus over and over again and it's time for you to make a stand, a commitment. But we're going to say this prayer and then we're going to sing a song And I encourage you to respond to whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart. So if you will, please stand as we pray together and remain standing for the song. Oh, dear Father, we do want to see the kingdom of God in our world just as it is in heaven. We pray that Your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And dear God, we want that shalom. We want that peaceful flourishing, that, that harmony that comes with walking side by side with you. Oh God, may we continue to walk in your way. Thank you, Jesus, for the example and teaching that you give us to help us know about the extent of God's love. And Father, I, I ask that you would move us to pray this week and to pray with persistence, to pray with passion. We know, dear God, that you are a God of justice. You are a God of righteousness. You are not like the judge in this story, Father, but you are calling out, you are wanting us to join you in this mission of restoring our world to its original creation the way that you intended from the very beginning. Dear Jesus, we thank you for telling us a story about the powerful prayer demonstrated by this widow. And as we leave today, we want to say, we are hearing you. Dear God, may all of us leave today encouraged with a deeper commitment to let you use us to show the world the full extent of your vast love. And we pray this through the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord forever. Amen.